Amen and amen. If I can't preach after that, I might as well go home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a great message in song today. Well, you know, today we're going to look at a message called the Easter Effect. There is much, there is much in our world today that causes us to pause. Isn't there? There is much that causes us to step back and wonder what in the world is going on. But friends, I'm here to tell you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. It changes everything. The Easter effect of Jesus' resurrection has changed the course of history. And today we want to look at one of the gospel accounts of the resurrection of Jesus And we want to see the effect that it had on that day and then see the effect that it still has on us today. So let me just ask you a couple questions. One, has Easter impacted you? And then also, does the resurrection really mean anything to you? It certainly has had an impact on on millions and millions of people throughout history. I think you may have heard of this story, but I'm going to share it with you just in case you haven't. It was around 1930. There was this communist leader named Bukharin who journeyed from Moscow to Kiev. His mission was to address a huge assembly. His subject was atheism. And for a solid hour, he aimed his verbal artillery at Christianity, hurling argument and ridicule against Christians and against the faith of Christians. At last he was finished and he he viewed what seemed to be the smoldering ashes of men's faith. And as he looked out across the vast group of people, a huge crowd of people, he asked, are there any questions? He demanded. There was one man who got up and asked permission to speak to this huge assembly, this crowd of people. And he was given permission. And so he mounted the platform and he moved over close to that communist leader. And for a while, he just simply scanned the audience. And at last, he shouted the ancient Orthodox greeting, Christ is risen. And the vast assembly arose as one man. And the response came crashing like the sound of an avalanche and said, He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Friends, this morning as we go through the message, I know you know how to do it, but I'm going to get you to help me. Whenever you hear me proclaim, Christ is risen, I want you to say, He is risen indeed. You think you can handle that this morning? All right, well, let's give it a try, all right? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I think you got it. Well, if you would, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, I'd love for you to stand, if you're able, as I read for you Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. The Bible says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. 
But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that uh, you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. And so they came and held him by the feet, and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. We thank you for all that you're doing. And we pray that you would just continue to move and and empower and, and anoint mightily over this service. Father, we want to hear from you today. And Lord, we rejoice in the truth of the gospel that our Savior who died on the cross rose again bodily from the grave. Lord, we are thankful for the truth of that message. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to us today. And there are those here today that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, may this be that moment, that hour of salvation. For those of us, Lord, who are yours, may you spur within us a renewed excitement and joy of who Jesus is, Father. And we give you the glory for that. But Lord, we pray that you would have your way over this entire place today. Lord, we just look for you to do great, amazing, do great and amazing things in the hearts and the lives of the people. Lord, may your spirit permeate this atmosphere with your presence. And, oh, God, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You see the outline is in the bulletin today. Hope you'll follow along with me. I don't have a cold. I just got a crying problem. Amen. You know, the Lord is good, and he is faithful. And sometimes when it gets all over you, you can't help but to cry a little bit. Amen? What is the Easter effect seen in today's passage? And the first thing is power recognized. Power recognized. In verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter 28, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, there was Mary Magdalene, the other Mary. They came to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. You see, friends, here's the truth of this. When Jesus rose from the grave, it was not a small event. When Jesus bodily, victoriously rose from the grave, the power of Jesus, the power of God, the power of the Almighty was recognized by the whole earth. Literally, the earth quaked. Back one chapter in uh, chapter 27, verse 51, we see that the earth quaked at his death on the cross, and now there is a great earthquake at his resurrection. Friends, let me tell you, This thing called the resurrection of Jesus, this is a major event that even the earth is shaken. God the creator, the one over all creation, he is the one who makes the earth tremble at the resurrection. Listen, friends, what an awesome God. What a powerful God that we recognize that the Easter effect of his power, and we are reminded even in this at what he is able to do. 
Jesus is risen from the grave and the earth responds. Oh, the power of God. Amen. An angel descends coming and rolling back the stone from the entrance of the grave. That which likely took some really strapping strong men to roll that stone in front of the door, the angel just rolls away without any difficulty. Keep in mind, however, that the stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out of the grave, but for the witnesses to go in to see what had taken place. Oh, friends, the power of God that has an effect uh, on the earth, shaking the earth and rolling away the stone. Listen, that power, listen, that power has not diminished. He is still able to do the miraculous, and friends, he is still able to roll away the stones. So what is that impact on us? What is the effect that we can recognize today? The power of God. Because of Jesus' resurrection, he is able to roll the stones away in your life. He can do anything. How do you know that, Pastor? How do you know Jesus can do anything? Because Jesus Christ is alive. That's how a stone is nothing compared to what he is able to do. Friends, listen, our living Lord is able to do more than we could ever imagine or think. The one true living God who was bodily raised from the dead, he is able to roll away those things that we perceive to be boulders or stones in our lives. We tend to be weighed down with the burdens and cares and concerns of this world. Friends, let us remember the Easter effect that our God is all powerful and he is able to do all things, that he is able to deliver. He is able to conquer because he rules and he reigns. Amen. Listen, friends, the resurrection was no small event as the earth quaked and the stone was rolled away. And because he lives, he still rolls stones away. He is still able. Why? Well, oh, praise the Lord. Are you ready? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. The Easter effect, there is power recognized. And secondly, we see here, we see panic summarized. Panic summarized. Look at verses 2 again through 4. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Here we see a picture. The Easter effect here is the enemy of Jesus panics. Isn't it interesting Don't you find it interesting that here are these tough, disciplined guards and the Bible tells us here that they shake for fear of the angel and that they became like dead men, which means that they fainted or that they lost their ability to function. They shook, the Bible says. These men, these tough, hardened men who are guards at the tomb shook. And that's the same root word, friends, for earthquake, meaning that these soldiers had an earthquake of their mind and their body. What we see of these rough and tough men is that their courage melted at the appearance 
of an angel. What does that Easter effect mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. I'm glad you want to know because I want to tell you. Just, just as the power of God causes us to stand in awe of what he is able to do, let me tell you, the presence of God should cause terror in those who are his enemy and those who do not know him as Savior and Lord. At the resurrection, the enemy panics. The enemy has been defeated. Because Jesus is risen from the grave, the enemy has been conquered. Satan has been conquered. Sin has been overcome. Grave and and death has been overthrown. But also, friends, the Easter effect reminds us that those who have rejected Jesus as Savior and as, as the Son of God, who died and rose again and refused to trust him as Lord and Savior of their lives, then they, they need to be afraid. There needs to be fear. Why? So, friends, listen, here's why. No matter how tough and no matter how strong we may think that we are, If Jesus is not the Lord and Savior of our lives, there will come a day of judgment. That day is coming. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that a day of judgment is coming. In John chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus declared that the Heavenly Father has given all judgment to the Son. And since the Son has risen and is alive, then His judgment is certain. For those who have not trusted the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord, there really is a need to panic. There is a need to fear. There's a need to be afraid because death for these folks means an eternal separation from God where there is torment, there's weeping, there's darkness, there's isolation for them at death unless they repent and come to Jesus. Listen, friends. The soldiers, as we see in this passage, they were rocked to the core at the presence of an angel. Can you imagine the response of people who will enter into the presence of God on judgment day who have rejected the Lord? Oh, yes. Here we see that panic is summarized because the enemy Devil, the devil, death, and sin are defeated at the cross and at the empty tomb. And so let the enemies of the faith be warned. Let those who have rejected Jesus as Savior and Lord take notice. And let the devil and the demons panic. Why? Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes, The Easter effect tells us about the power recognized, panic summarized, and thirdly, peace realized. In verses 5 and 6, we see, but the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. So here we see that the angel assures the women that there is no need to fear. As a matter of fact, the tense of the word, the structure reveals the angel is actually saying to these women, for them who are already afraid, to stop being afraid. And how or why can they stop being afraid? Well, it's the Easter effect here. They can stop being afraid. They can uh, not have fear because the resurrection now has taken place. And the angel has told them he is risen just as he said. 
And because he is risen, just as he said, that means that this Jesus who is now alive, well, he can be trusted. He is who he says he is. He really did do what he said he would do. He really did die for our sins. He really is God and he really does live. Peace is realized, friends, in in these women as they are at the tomb that morning as hope now has dawned and death has given way to life and there is now no fear in death. And here we see what the angel says to the women in verse 6 to come and see the place where the Lord lay. In other words, the angel is pointing to the women and say, look, come and see the proof. Come and see the proof. He is not here. See the grave clothes. See the empty tomb. And of course, the tomb was empty and the grave clothes were vacant. And some would say, well... You know, I hear what you're saying there, Pastor, but you know, just it's possible, it's just possible that maybe, maybe Jesus, he just really didn't die. There is that theory out there that maybe he didn't die, that he just swooned or something like that. Well, I love a letter that was written to a local advice column years ago, along with the response from the, the column person. And the person was named Eutychus. Dear Eutychus, Our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross and that the disciples nursed him back to hell. What do you think? Sincerely bewildered. Oh, Eutychus replied, he said, dear bewildered, beat your preacher with a cat of nine tails with 39 heavy strokes, nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for 36 hours and see what happens. Sincerely, Eutychus. Amen. Let me tell you something, friends. There is real proof of the resurrection. Many people saw the resurrected Christ. Many people saw Jesus Christ who had died on the cross alive. They looked at his face. They touched him. They saw the nail prints. They heard his voice. They saw him eat. Not only that, but Jesus had predicted his resurrection would take place. The Old Testament had prophesied the resurrection would happen, and it happened just as the Scripture had said. Justin Martyr once said, To declare that a thing shall come to pass long before it is in being, and then to bring it to pass, this is nothing but the work of God. You see, peace is recognized as the women see that Jesus is risen. As they have come and they have now seen the proof of the resurrection, he lives, there's peace that they have. Now, friends, let me just ask you this morning. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know where you've been, but I can tell you this. If you need peace, if you need peace, let us come and see. Let us come and see, believing that Jesus is who he says he is, trusting him by faith that he is the Christ, the Son of God who died for us on the cross and who rose again. We believe him and we believe in him. And in so doing, we are made right with God and in being made right with God, friends, I'm here to tell you that there is peace. Why is that? Why is there peace at the resurrection? Well, let me tell you, because Christ is, is risen. He is risen indeed. And so the Easter effect 
is that we have seen power recognized. He is the all-powerful, the all-knowing. He is able to do far beyond what we can imagine or think. Panic is summarized. The enemy needs to take notice. Jesus is alive, and there's peace realized. We can come and see the proof. Our Savior is who he says he is, and he lives. But then fourthly, pardon finalized. Pardon finalized. Look at verse 9 and 10. As they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. And so they came and they held him by the feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, but go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. There's something there. Did you catch it? There's something there specifically in verse 10. That's an amazing thing that Jesus says. He says something really fascinating. And verse 10, let me get, go there again. What Jesus says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they'll see me. Did you catch it that time? Oh, let's just see. He says, my brethren. Go and tell my brethren, my brothers. Jesus is saying, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. He's talking about the disciples, of course, but he is calling them brothers. That term is a term of utmost endearment. You see, friends, as he is saying this, this is an amazing thing. It is a gracious message that Jesus is speaking to these women to give to the disciples as his brothers. He is calling his disciples, watch, his brothers, even though they had failed him miserably. Even though these disciples were sleeping While in the garden as Jesus was praying and he told them to to stay awake and to watch and pray. Even though they had abandoned him and fled, even each one of them had said, no, we'll not do that. Every one of them abandoned him and fled. But then also, even though Peter had denied him three times, who said, even if everybody else denies you, Jesus, I'll never deny you. Jesus speaks to these ladies, to tell these women to tell the disciples, my brothers, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now Jesus says, go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. I'll meet them there. What does that say about Jesus? Let me tell you what that says about Jesus. That tells us that he loves us unconditionally. That tells us that our Savior, who went to the cross of Calvary for us and rose again bodily from the dead, he forgives our failures. That tells us that he pardons our mess, that he cleanses our sin, and he restores us as we fail him. Because of what he has done for us on the cross and for who he is, because of who he is, he is able to forgive. Because he lives, his love is proven. Because he lives, We can be cleansed and we can be made new. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone and life is worth the living just because he lives. Our pardon is finalized in him because of what took place that first Easter Sunday morning at the resurrection. He forgives us and he gives us a second chance. 1 John 1, 9 tells us, That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you're here today, friends, and 
and you feel like you have failed the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you feel like that you've just, you've just left him, you've abandoned him, you've moved away from him. Maybe you're here today and you really haven't been concerned about Jesus at all. Maybe you're just here to please someone who wants you to be here. But friend, listen, here's the message for you. You need to understand something. Jesus still loves you. And he will pardon you. He is calling you to come to him. And he will meet you there. He is faithful to forgive. He is faithful to pardon. And he is able. Why is he able? Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And so we see the Easter effect. That the power is recognized. The panic is summarized here. The, pray, the peace is, is realized and the pardon is finalized. And then finally, we see this, the passion energized. Passion energized. In verse 9, as they went, the women went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and they worshiped him. When the women saw Jesus, they couldn't help it. They fell at his feet and they worshiped Jesus. Friends, a few weeks ago, we talked about the holiness of God. I said to the second hour, I failed to tell you all at the first hour, but I know that sometimes when we think about seeing Jesus face to face, what we think is we're going to walk right up to him and shake his hand for all he's done. Or maybe we think, I'm just going to give him a big old high five. Let me tell you something, friends. When we see Jesus, we will get on our knees before him and we will bow before him. Lay down. We will worship him at his feet. We will worship him because, let me tell you something, because Jesus lives, he is worthy of worship. He is worthy of worship. Jesus was dead and now he is alive. The effect of Easter should do more. Listen, the effect of the resurrection should do more than just thrill us. It should cause us to worship him in complete awe and adoration. And as we bow in humble adoration before him, worshiping him that he is God, worshiping him who is all-powerful, worshiping him who who has defeated Satan, who has defeated sin, who has defeated the grave, worshiping him that he has given us hope and peace, worshiping him that he has forgiven us, it should also not only energize us, but but also to energize us to go and tell. You see, after the come and see, we have the instruction to go and to tell. This passion for Jesus, because he lives, because Easter is real, it should galvanize us. It should mobilize us. It should energize us to tell about the effect that Jesus has had on us. The Bible says this, let the redeemed Of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And friends, if he has touched your life and he has changed your life and he has saved your soul, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
Let us tell people about who Jesus is and share our faith with others. These disciples, once they saw Jesus, listen, when these disciples saw Jesus, they were changed. After they saw Jesus and were empowered by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, these men were changed men. Warren Wearsby says in his commentary, he says, one day these men were discouraged and hiding in defeat. But the next day, they were declaring his resurrection and they were walking in joyful victory. In fact, these same men who had been cowards cowering in uh, the upper room were now willing to die for the truth of the resurrection. And so here's the deal. If all of this were some manufactured tale, if all of this were some elaborate lie, if all of this were some made-up story, it could have never changed their lives or enabled them to lay down their lives as martyrs. But these ordinary men who were changed from the inside out are the same ones, according to Acts 17, who were turning the world upside down. What happened? What happened here? What changed them from being cowards in an upper room to being proclaimers of Jesus out in the open square? What was it that gave them an energized passion? The same thing that should change us, friends, and give us a passion to worship him, to proclaim him, to follow him, and to obey him. What is it? What is it, you ask, that causes such a change? Well, let me just tell you, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And friends, if you don't know him today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can come to know him. It is a step of faith. How are we made right with God? How are we made holy before a holy God? How can we enter into his presence? How can we have the assurance of our salvation? It is a simple step of faith. It is acknowledging acknowledging in that step of faith, acknowledging that we're sinners, that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. None of us are perfect. None of us are good enough to be able to enter into the presence of God. And we need a Savior to save us. And as we acknowledge that, we are turning from our sin and turning to Jesus Christ. That is repentance. We are to confess that we're sinners and need him to save us, repenting of our sin. The Bible says in Acts 3.19, to repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So this step of faith involves acknowledging we're sinners in need of a Savior, but also it involves turning from our sin, turning to Jesus. And as we're doing all of that, we are believing, embracing with all of our heart that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross of Calvary for us, who rose again bodily from the grave, and he paid my sin debt there. He paid my price that I deserved. He took it in my place. And I believe that he is the Son of God and rose again bodily from the grave. As we believe that, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so that is the step of faith. Acknowledging we're sinners in need of a Savior, turning from our sin, turning to Jesus in repentance, believing that he is God's son, embracing that he's God's son who died on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave, and professing him as the Lord and Savior of our life, saying yes to Jesus. And the Bible says, whoever 
calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I think we all fit under that category of whoever. Amen? We're all there. So if you're here today and you've never taken that step of faith, trusting Jesus to come into your heart and save you, why not today? Why not today? The resurrection is real. The Easter has an effect on all of us. The power of God is recognized. The panic is summarized. The peace is realized. The pardon is finalized. And the passion, oh, friend, the passion, it should energize us. Amen? We should be energized because Jesus lives. Christian, maybe you're here today and you just need the Lord to to make the Easter effect real to you. And you need the Lord to have his way in your heart and in your life. Whatever the case may be, as we come to that invitation in just a few moments, as God has dealt with your heart, would you be open and obedient to what God is dealing with you about? Would you say yes to the Lord Jesus? Would you recommit your life to the Lord if you're a Christian, saying, yes, I want to be obedient. I want to hear his call. I want to be faithful to what he's leading me to do. I want to be his child. I want to be his disciple. And I want to have a renewed passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever the case may be, you be obedient to the Lord today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And we pray, Lord, that you would have your way in our hearts and our lives, that you'd guide us and direct us. Lord, that you'd have your way as we come to this moment, the most crucial time, Father, of of the service, where we're hearing from you and we must respond to what you have told us. We must respond to what it is, Lord, that we need to do. And so, Lord, maybe there are those here who've never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, or that this would be that moment of salvation. That maybe there are those, Lord, also who, who are your children who need to recommit their hearts to you, who need to say, I know that Jesus lives, and, but he's just not been very real to me because I have abandoned him, I've, I've moved away, I've strayed. Lord, I pray that this would be that time where that would be that recommitment, that resurrender coming to you completely. But Father, I pray also for those that maybe need to make decisions of joining this fellowship as you're working in people's hearts to, to be obedient in baptism or whatever it is you're dealing with, answering the call to ministry or missions. God, may you have your way this Easter Sunday morning as we yield our hearts and our lives to you because of who you are and because of what you've done. And now, Lord, we pray that all across this place that you would challenge us, call us, convict us, and move us to the place where you desire for us to be as we surrender our all to you, for you are worthy. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to stand, we're going to sing, I surrender all. You come as God has dealt with your heart today. So stand.